50 years ago today, a Saturn V rocket carried humans for the first time on a journey to the moon. Apollo 8 marked a triumphant way to end a traumatic year. Chip Reed looks back. Some of the odds of, of trying to be successful in that mission are overwhelming. And perhaps at that time, we didn't even understand what the odds were. In 1968, was a very bad year. The Vietnam War was going on. There was uh, assassinations of prominent people and uh, student uprisings. And finally, we brought back something that the Americans could be proud of. 50 years later, that pride still remains. Chip Reed, CBS News, Washington. Gap. I'm Randall Wallace, and this very special edition is going to look back at a moment that brought the country together at the very end of one of the most tumultuous years in all of American history. It's the flight of Apollo 8 that circled the moon 10 times, and today we're just going to let you hear their story from the astronauts themselves and various documentaries from the past 53 years on this episode of Bridging the political gap. It's a Saturn V rocket, a model of the rocket that gave us the last big headline of that troubled year, 1968. Just in time for Christmas, the rocket took three Americans to the moon. Half century later, as we conclude our series on the year 1968, Lee Cowan takes us back. Although the moon seems ever so familiar, we're really barely acquainted. Only a few souls have ever ventured there and back, and of those who have, fewer left. Bill Anders, though, is one of them. I'm Bill. I'm Lee. Hey, Lee. So nice to meet you. Still flying high at age 85. Well, I figured I'd keep flying as long as I can crawl in them. (laughs) To look an Apollo astronaut in the eye, it's hard not to imagine what those eyes have seen. Anders especially. 50 years ago this week, on Christmas Eve, no less, he and the crew of Apollo 8 saw our home as no human ever had, like a holiday ornament hanging over the moon. It was ironic that we'd done all this work to come and explore the moon, and what we really discovered was the Earth. The year was 1968. Little seemed right with the world that Christmas. War, riots, assassinations. The mood was hardly festive is the author of a recent book on Apollo 8, Jeffrey Kluger. This was a year of sorrow, of suffering, and of massive bloodshed. And then at the end of the year, we had this moment to do this magnificent thing. It was serendipity saying, humanity, you guys deserve a break. Make the most of it. The launch was set for just four days before Christmas. The command module that sat high atop the most powerful machine man had ever built looked tiny then and still does, where it sits at the Museum of Science and Industry in Chicago. Jim Lovell sat in the middle seat. I suddenly found myself 360 feet high, and I looked down below, and there was the news media people coming in to park their cars. It was still dark. And I thought to myself, they're sending me to the moon. 
The engines are on. Four, three, two, one, zero. My biggest remembrance about Saturn V was the noise. Oh, and there's the rumble in our building. There's no way that you could simulate or train for the noise that that beast put out. This building is shaking under us. Apollo 8's commander, Frank Borman, knew this would be a mission full of firsts. Man is farther away from home than he's ever been before, a hundred times farther away. If everything went right, mankind would never be the same. But to Borman, only one first really mattered. What I wanted to do was go to the moon and come back alive because I knew that would beat the Russians. We're looking forward now, of course, to the day after tomorrow when we'll be uh, just 60 miles away from the moon. Happy birthday, mother. So, everyone, the Russians included, was glued to their black-and-white TV. What do you have today, Bill, for uh, dinner? Although it seemed like we were right there with them, chicken and gravy, Apollo 8 was really very much alone. I could put my thumb up to the window and completely hide the Earth. Now, you have to think about that. Over five billion people, everything I ever knew was behind my thumb. Did you guys say anything to each other? I mean, this was the first time mankind had ever left the Earth's pole. I think that was the least of our worries. (laughs) (laughs) I guess that's true. After all, they weren't just going to the moon, they were going to orbit it ten times. But then, it actually happened. Welcome from the moon, On Christmas Eve, that lonely, barren place got some human tidings of great joy. We're like three school kids looking into a candy store window, watching those ancient old craters on the far side slowly slip underneath us. But describing what they saw proved almost as hard as getting there. Do you remember what you said? Well, I said that it uh, it looked like dirty beach sand. A very whitish gray, like uh, dirty beach sand. That's how I described it, thus gaining the wrath of uh, poets worldwide. (laughs) Could he have done better? (laughs) Probably. It really didn't need words in the end. As it turned out, a single photo would do most of the talking. Oh, my God, look at that picture over there. Wow, is that pretty? Problem was, they had precious little film on board. And what they had was supposed to be used to take pictures of the moon, not the Earth. Hey, don't take that from schedule. But Anders did it anyway. That wasn't in the flight plan. He was right. Hell with that, you know. Uh, and here was a beautiful shot. And we had a roll of color quick. Oh, man, that's great. Known as Earthrise, it became one of the most reproduced images ever. In part, because no other photograph summed up our place in the universe, our small place at that, quite like this. This was just a beacon of hope as well as awe. It pointed the way toward a new understanding of who we are as human beings. Even for a brief moment. Even for a brief moment. For environmental crusader Al Gore, that image was proof of just how fragile our world is. It's the spirit behind the climate change exhibit at the American Museum of Natural History in New York. And it's the centerpiece to almost every climate presentation the former vice president has ever given. Is it fair to say that that one image was one of the biggest catalysts for the environmental movement? Oh, no question about it. Within a year and a half, the first Earth Day was organized. The momentum emerged in the Congress for the Clean Air Act, the Clean Water Act. It transformed 
the environmental movement into what it became in the immediate aftermath of that image. It alone may have been enough to secure Apollo 8's place in the conscience of humanity. But it wasn't the final word on that Christmas Eve night. The crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. Do you have any idea, though, how many people would be listening in and watching? Well, we were told that we would have the largest audience that ever listened to a human voice before. But what to say? What words would resonate through the heavens on one of the holiest nights of the year? They settled on ones that already had from the book of Genesis. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. It was pitch perfect. They were the words of three in some ways, very ordinary humans. I always say they had very lunch bucket names, Frank and Bill and Jim. What could be more human than that? And God called the light day, and the darkness he called night. Did you know at the time what kind of impact that would have? No, but, but as, we, uh, as we flew and as we, as we contemplated it afterwards, we all agreed that, that we couldn't have done anything more appropriate. So they're on the way home. Three explorers named Borman, Lovell, and Anders, whose names are going down in the history books as surely as did Magellan, Vasco da Gama, and Columbus. They were indeed sailors on a new ocean, returning from a successful voyage at the end of one of our most turbulent years during a season all about peace. We got thousands of telegrams after the flight, but the one that struck me the most, thank you, Apollo 8, you saved 1968. And I think in the way we help to help to heal it. Good night, good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. But why some say the moon? Why choose this as our goal? And they may well ask, why climb the highest mountain? We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon. We choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things, not because they are easy, but because they are hard. In the eighth year of manned flight into space, the National Aeronautics and Space Administration prepared men and equipment for the most advanced manned mission to date. Apollo 8 was the first flight to the moon. We had information uh, that the Russians were going to put a man around the moon in the late fall of 1968. Consequently, we changed Apollo 8's mission to uh, fly to the moon, orbit the moon, and come back. And we did that over the Christmas holidays. We had to build a Apollo spacecraft that would hold three people. Uh, we sat on top of a large rocket called the Saturn V. It was a three-stage vehicle that gave us enough velocity and on the proper course to coast all the way to the moon. The engines are armed. Four, three, two, one, zero. We have the Man, perhaps on the way to the moon. All continues to go well. My two companions were uh, Frank Borman 
and uh, Bill Anders. That was the three of us that uh, made the flight. Houston, I hear you, Paulie. Yeah, we hear you loud and clear, Paulie. Okay, the first stage was very smooth, and this one is smoother. Understand, smoother and smoother. Looks good here. The flight took about three days to get to the moon. We had charts of the various craters that we wanted to see. Uh, we wanted to look at the flat areas for uh, making landings and later flights. Houston, uh, what does the old moon look like from 60 miles, over? Okay, uh, Houston, the moon is essentially gray. No color. We didn't know the significance of the mission with regards to uh, things that we did or things that we said until we got back home. It was the fourth orbit when we finally uh, came to a position where we saw the Earth. Oh my God, look at that picture over there. There's the Earth coming up. Wow, is that pretty? You got a color film, Jim? And then Anders asked me for color film. Hand me a roll of color quick, Oh man, that's great. Where is it? Quick. Hey, I've got it right here. And he yeah. and Anders does take, I guess, several pictures. And I say 250 at F11. Oh, I got it right. Oh, that's a beautiful shot. And as Anders takes the pictures, Just one of them, as we learn after we get back home, became the very famous one. Following a direct descent flight path, Apollo 8 traveled 1,560 miles across the Earth's surface and splashed down in the Pacific with pinpoint accuracy. When we landed, of course, uh, we were well-received, uh, uh, being the first flight around the moon and very successful in getting back. But the uh, country in 1968 was uh, sort of in a turmoil. Martin Luther King and Bobby Kennedy both were assassinated. We had uh, a war going on. It was one after the other of uh, bad news, either in Vietnam or in the continental United States. And then the launch of Apollo 8 brought a, a binding to the people of our country. It was a very significant factor in how people felt about themselves and their environment. The Earthrise photo and just one picture gives the person a complete understanding and glimpse of his or hers position in the universe by looking back at the body that she calls home. It was the first time, the first time that people actually knew what the earth looked like and where they were living. Listen. Listen to the words of three men flying around the moon. We are now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. Well, Apollo 8 originally was an Earth orbital mission uh, exercising the lunar module, but the lunar module was way behind. We had intelligence information that the Russians were going to put a man 
around the moon, probably in December of 1968. The people in NASA came up with the idea of moving Apollo 8 to a lunar orbital mission. Why don't we send the command service module of Apollo 8 to orbit the moon, and we can learn a lot about the communication system, the navigation system, how the moon's gravity would affect the orbiting spacecraft, look for suitable landing spots. So we had to condense into four months what usually took a year to 18 months of training. Everybody was motivated. Everybody was dedicated. And the basic idea was to beat the Russians to the moon. That was a political goal that was set by President Kennedy, and we were all determined to meet it, to beat it. Apollo 8 it developed a, a lot of attention. It uh, filled a big square uh, in preparation for uh, later Apollo flights. Well, I got into the big Saturn V. This would be the first time that man had actually launched on a Saturn V. So I thought to myself, after this four months of heavy training, I said, yeah, I'm actually going to go to the moon. The engines are on. Four, three, two, one, zero. Well, the Saturn V still is the most powerful machine ever made. And for 17 missions, it flew perfectly. We have cleared the tower. We had orbited the Earth, first of all, to check our spacecraft out. Then when everything was right and the spacecraft looked fine to go to the moon, we lit the third stage for a second time. Trajectory and guidance are go, over. We could actually coast all the way to the moon. And after a while, you could look back and see the Earth getting smaller and smaller. People on Earth tend to call the, the far side of the moon the dark side, but that's a misnomer. Uh, on our flight, the moon was between the Earth and the sun, and the far side was lit by the sun. Uh, we saw the far side. You know, we were like three school kids looking through a candy store window, I guess, just staring at the unnamed craters as they slowly passed us by. Uh, we were busy shooting uh, pictures of the lunar surface for lunar landing sites. Uh, for uh, upcoming uh, lunar landings. And then suddenly I looked out the window and here was this gorgeous orb coming up. And I thought, holy moly. And there over the lunar landscape was the Earth. The Earth was beautiful. It was the only thing in the whole universe that had any color. I had fought to have a, a long lens and color film. I didn't have a light meter, just banged off a dozen or so pictures, changing the f-stop each click. I put my thumb up to the window of the spacecraft, and I could completely hide the Earth behind my thumb. The Earth is a mere speck in the Milky Way galaxy. Look what we have here. Water and an atmosphere. We're orbiting a star just at the proper distance to absorb that star's energy. God has given mankind a stage upon which to perform. How the play turns out is up to us. We want to welcome you home. We thank God that you're back safe again. You've made us very proud to be alive at this particular moment in history. You made us feel kin to those Europeans uh, nearly five centuries ago. 
who heard stories of the New World for the first time. There's just no other comparison that we can make that's equal to what you've done or to what we feel. We are now approaching uh, lunar sunrise, and uh, for all the people back on Earth, the crew of Apollo 8 has a message that we would like to send to you. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters, and God said, Let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light, that it was good, and divided the light from the darkness. Good luck, a Merry Christmas, and God bless all of you, all of you on the good earth. 